Welcome back, fight fans, to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. I am your host, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and with me, as usual, is the co-host with the most, Jive Turkey Nano. In this episode, we are going to be breaking down UFC 292, but first, you know we got to ask, how we doing, Nano? We are doing great. We are doing fine and mighty on this Saturday morning. Living the good life, baby. It's fight day. No need for coffee, man. I am juiced up on life. Let's go. Let's go. I don't need the coffee, but I like the taste, so I picked it up anyways. We out here, baby. Double um, caffeinated. We are jazzed up, ready to go. Let's go, man, baby. You ain't lying. We are in for one hell of a time today. UFC 292 is one of those cards that honestly is it's going to end up being just as good in real life as it is on paper. Um, it's and, and I think that's a rare occasion, if I'm being completely honest. This is one of those cards that I truly don't think is being overhyped. I don't think it's being hyped enough. Um, there's a lot of really solid fights on this card. There's a lot of sleeper fights on this card. And, don't sleep. Um, don't sleep. Don't sleep on them, man. Don't sleep on them because <laughs> they'll wake you up, man. They'll wake um, you up. So, yeah, man, we're going to go ahead and jump right into this. We have a lot of fights to cover, uh, and we're going to try and get through it in our normal hour and a half time slot here. So, jumping into one of the first cards on the early fight prelims tonight, Andrea KGB Lee coming in against Natalia Silva. Do you want to go ahead and take the lead on this one? I can quickly jump in. Yeah, man. We got our girl, Andrea KGB Lee, uh, a, a household name for us here. We've been chatting about her for years, a big fan. But man, we got to shine a little bit of light here on our girl Natalia Silva, somebody we may not know about. You know, you at home, I think, who is this? You know, Natalia. Okay, sounds nice. Pretty face, nice hair. Well, guess what? She's 26 year old, has not lost a fight since 2017. She's a beast, y'all. Okay, I feel bad for my girl Andrea KGB. She's got her work cut out for her today, unfortunately. Uh, But Natalia, five KOs, seven TKOs, and her 15 Ws. She's young, she's pretty, and she's skillful, man. I'm excited to see her come out here. I think she's going to uh, throw, uh, showcase some amazing strikes in this matchup. I do think KGB Lee's best chance is to sort of neutralize her uh, her forward attack in Natalia and, hey, grab the bull by the horns, stay in the pocket, make it muddy, get inside, and, and use that good grappling and wrestling that we know KGB Lee has. She does not want to make it a striking match with this girl. Yeah, we don't know much about her. Yes, she's you know twenty six years old. KGB's thinking I'm thirty four. I'm 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 I got a lot on this young woman. I'm gonna teach her a couple of things. Well, hey, guess what, man? These young new fighters are no joke. They're coming in with a lot of skills, a lot of confidence, almost naive in a way, thinking I can't get beat. You know, and she hasn't in six years professionally has not lost. So it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. The Southpaw Natalia uh, is no joke. I, unfortunately, I think I'm leaning that way a little bit more here. But always got roof my girl KGB Lee, man. It's gonna be a fun one to start the card. How, how you feeling about it, brother? Well, you know, I, uh, I I worked with Andrea KGB Lee in my first restaurant job. It's hard to root against her. Um, in this case, I'm not rooting against her, but I will say I'm probably betting against her. Being wholeheartedly honest with you guys here, um, Andrea KGB Lee is a seasoned fighter with a well-rounded skill set. She has a background in kickboxing and Muay Thai, actually which is evident in her striking prowess. You can see it on full display in her fights. She has a crisp striking style always utilizing her range and timing to land the cleanest shots possible. Now, stepping across from her is the fresher face in Natalia Silva, who has looked nothing short of impressive in her first three UFC bouts. Prior to the UFC, 
or prior to her UFC debut, Natalia was actually more well-known for her aggressive grappling style and constant hunt for submissions in the cage. Since her debut in the UFC, she's now coming off of two back-to-back knockouts over Teresa Bleda and Victoria Leonardo. This should be a striker versus grappler situation on paper, but by all accounts, Natalia doesn't seem the type to shy away from a stand-up bout. And uh, she will look to march right into the center of the octagon, look Andrea KGB in the eye, and say, let's throw down. Um, This one really does promise to be a battle of fight IQ and game planning, in my opinion. Both women seem very fit, very well-equipped, and very, very ready to go to battle on on Saturday night, uh, a.k.a. tonight. Uh, Let's go. As a betting man, I got to tell you, though, just like I said before, I'm going to have to pick against the one I've met in real life and go with Natalia Silva. She is the younger, crisper fighter. She is, as you said, undefeated for quite some time now. And um, I think she looks to keep that that reign going. And if she beats a name like Andrea KGB Lee, you got to think it's going to catapult her into stardom. She's going to be uh, a household name in the next two to three years if she keeps this up. Love that analysis, brother. Absolutely agree. JJ Smoke, what's up, brother? See you in the chat there. Let's um, go, JJ. Always, man. Let us know who you're excited about. Let us know your predictions, man. Let's get some back and forth going. Always love hearing your banter. Love love when you bring the smoke, brother. Love Where there's smoke, there's fire. So love to hear it. Um, and yeah, and I want to clarify, I mentioned that uh, Natalia has five KOs, and then I said seven TKOs. Ugh, it's too early here. Should have had my coffee. Seven That's submissions. Okay. Seven submissions with five knockout victories. Extremely well-rounded, extremely crisp, like you said. It's going to be a fun one. And I mean, speaking of fun ones, guys, I don't know if you know this, but we have a pay-per-view tonight, which is actually worth the money, in my opinion. Let's go. And before that, we, we have a fight card that, honestly, like the, the prelims and the early prelims alone could be their own fight card. You got Chris Weidman and Brad Tavares headlining the prelims. That could headline a, a, a like whatever fight night. Let's just call a spade a spade here. You got RoboCop on the card. But before that, we have two fights that I am extremely excited to break down. <sighs> we've, been, got, we've been building this one up for weeks now, man. We've been looking forward to this for months. I may have more notes on, on Brad Katona versus Cody <laughs> Gibson and Kurt Hollibaugh versus Austin Hubbard than I do on the main and co-main event here. I was just going to say, man, these Ultimate Fighter fights, we were talking about it, right? Obviously, with the timing of the um, the season, and then when we were looking at this UFC 292, we were wondering, hey, it does look a bit light. What's going on? Let's do some uh, calculations here. If so, facto, the champs are going to be on there, right? Fighting for the Ultimate Fighter uh, championship yep. or title, I should say. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, great episode. We, we've yet to talk about that. So part of my analysis was kind of tied in there and then just breaking down the fights. These two guys that we've, we've learned to grow, um, grown to like love or hate. I don't know if you're a Brad Katana fan or not. He you know, may, may be a little pesty, but I'm, I'm a big a fan. I was more of a Brad Katona fan before this season, if I'm being honest with you, bro. Uh, he's he's leaning into it, right? I don't know if he's trying to channel this Colby Covington, like, you know, I'm, I'm this uh, heel in a way, but um, hey, brother, I mean, let's let's break them down. I mean, th- these could be on a main card, honestly. They probably should be, but why not break them out on a UFC debut here in Boston for our East Coast fan base there that, that you, like you said, is going to be rowdy. For the East Coast fan base, for the Irish fan base. I don't know if you know, but, you know, the, I, there's a lot of Irish population over there in Boston. Shipping off to Boston. Whoa. <laughs> hey, I mean, I don't know if you saw that pub. That Irish pub was fired up, man. I did. I did. Man. It was fired up. Can you up imagine you, going to your local... Uh, pub getting a pint with your boys and then seeing Ian Machado Gary mixing it up in there in full get up, brother. Just hitting pads, bro. Getting it. Hitting pads. I'd, 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 step, 
I might have put my face in one of those pads just, <laughs> just for a whole shits and gigs. Let's, let's see how that feels. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got the power. Uh, Wake up two days later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. One of those knees, but nude face. <laughs> so, uh, jumping into the prelims, we got Brad Katona let's against go. Cody Gibson. Um, man, first of all, what did you think about that Cody Gibson fight um, that we saw? On this week's episode, you mean the you mean the demolishment of my boy Young Rico over here? Um, it was a, a, a fun episode. I think uh, obviously the same two big- JJ Smoke, same. Yeah, man. Yeah, you could definitely make a case. I mean, Tamor looked really, really good in there. In my opinion, probably the most exciting fighter. Probably should get the contract out of everybody that was in that division. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of Gibson, dog, right? I mean, he dog. was just way too much for our boy Rico. I had high hopes. You were thinking with the with Connor you, focusing on him. I tried I to tell you. I love an underdog. I love my underdogs, you know? I tried to tell you about it. I know you told me about it, man. And Gibson's no joke, right? <laughs> I guess my big thing was, is he going to be injured? Is he going to show any signs of diminishment? But, hey, man, this guy's built different, right? He's built for tough. So, built yeah. for tough. <laughs> yeah, and to be honest, I mean, I was hoping to see a little more striking. I was hoping to see a little more back and forth. Rico blamed the slip. I just blame having um, no ground game, no gap grappling game whatsoever. Yeah, the slip, the slip may have started it, but I mean, you didn't exactly do much to repair it. So yeah, um, yeah, you also got drowned for the next you know four minutes or however long it was. So he, I, that's actually the best way to to put that. He got drowned. He literally, yeah. genuinely got drowned across the distance. Yeah, and I actually or just until, watched. Until yeah, uh, I forget what it's called. We were watching. I think it's called the Deep Breath or the Deepest Breath. It's on Netflix. Okay. And it's about these like uh, deep sea divers and they are able to go meters down. They hold the breath. It's the pressure, right? I mean, it's all mental. I'm already out. I'm already out. I'm not Dude, watching. it's a hey, fear <laughs> unlocked. It's it is like, oh, man, it's so inspiring, though. A part of me was like, man, these, this is like next level. These they're beast, you know, I mean, they put it all on the line. But yes, it reminds me of this. That he was drowning. He was trying to swim, search for air. He thought the he thought he was breaking surface. And Cody was doing everything right. Like the body triangle, switching to the body triangle to get the hooks in, to flatten him out. Like everything he did, it literally looked like a surgeon walking into the the surgical room, fully prepped, ready to go, having a game plan and just slicing through his guard like a like like just a finely tuned scalpel, man. It was it was disgusting. Yeah, super clean, super clean. And and I don't know if it was because it was so early. With one leg, with one fucking leg. That's the thing. With one leg. Yeah. (laughs) I think even Rico mentioned something there. He was like kind of surprised he was able to lock up that body triangle and he got it in real quick. Dude, when he really locked slick. the body triangle, I literally cringed. I'm like, oh, is he re- is he literally restraining the body triangle with his bad knee? Yeah, I mean, That's when foul. you're in there, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. Maybe they, I don't know if they like if they can do it like they do in the NFL, but you inject some cortisol or something or just put something, something in there, you know, and fake it till you make it, I guess. Yeah, man. But um, no, he looked phenomenal. Not to take anything away from him, he earned it. He, he looked great in there. Definitely the better fighter. And man, uh, I don't know if it was just to kind of uh, add more fuel to the fire here, but him and uh, Brad were getting into it a little bit there. You know, him and Chandler, they were showing a little exchange in the house there. He's just calling him out. That. It got my grief. It got me going. Cody, a Cody's bit. my kind of guy, dude. I love when yeah. Brad tried to flip the script on him. He's like, oh, is this something that your, your students are going to be proud of? You're proud to teach your students this? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. You're a he's prick. Like, yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. I, I, I don't, so I don't like you. Like, he's like, I don't, I don't think that like people should let prima donnas or bullies like 
belittle them. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm glad my students are seeing this. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, but uh, last night he posted his students all sent him. They uh, each made like uh, go. Uh, it was go coach Gibson, go coach Cody signs and sent it to him. They made like a compilation video. It was adorable, dude. I was. Oh, up that's last awesome. Night. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That'll hit you right in the feels, man. Right in the heartstrings. Um, hey, man, it's going to be a fun show. He earned his ticket here to the finals. UFC 20, 292 Boston fired up. Um, it's going to have that extra juice. I know that much. You know, again, how healthy is he? The unfortunate part is as annoying as Brad is, man, he's he's a damn good fighter. You know, he did weather the storm. He was able to get through Tamir somehow, some way. I think he could do something similar here to Cody Gibson. You know, I don't know how many different threats will pose. I don't know how much stronger or faster or how much more of a problem he would be than Tamir was. Right. I, I mean, I think it can be very similar in terms of co- competitiveness, in terms of just the ferocity of the fight, you know, again, Cody's going to want to go in there and take his freaking head off. But Brad is a, he's just a pesty, well-rounded son of a gun, you know, love him or hate him. He's a damn good fighter and he's really well-rounded and he's probably more healthy. So I, I love Cody Gibson. I'm going to be rooting for Cody, but I have a feeling this heel Brad Katana is going to be the Kobe Covington 2.0 here and try to take his uh, heel status and run with it, man. That's just, that's just how I'm feeling. I don't know, man. What do you think? Talk me off the ledge here. I think maybe you should have had that cup of coffee after all there, but <laughs> you're right about it. You're right about it. <laughs> no. Um, so let's just jump right into it, guys. Brad Katana and Cody Gibson are two very different men fighting for the very same thing. A shot at a second chance. A chance to be back in the most esteemed MMA promotion in the world. And more importantly, they're both fighting for a chance at redemption here, folks. Katona is known for his well-rounded skill set and his ability to adapt to different aspects of the fight game. He has a background in striking and grappling, which makes him versatile, uh, just a very versatile threat overall inside of the cage. He possesses a very solid jab, which is super underrated, and also an array of striking combinations that he uses to keep his opponents guessing. As you pointed out, he's annoying, right? Um, He's also comfortable in the clinch, where he can land effective knees and elbows. He's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt and has showcased his submission skills in his previous fights as well. His ability to secure takedowns and control his opponents on the ground has actually proven time and time again to be a pivotal part of his game plan, even though his striking is as good as it is. Across from him will stand a wily veteran in Cody Gibson. This man was cut from the UFC back in 2016 and since has fought and collected wins over notable opponents such as John Dodson. Yeah, that's a household name, folks. Gibson's striking power is his standout feature here. He possesses heavy hands and has displayed his knockout abilities in his victories previously. His striking technique combined with his power make him a formidable adversary across the octagon cage. However, as of recently, Gibson has actually displayed more of a calm and adaptable approach. This comes with his significant amount of fight experience and cage time he's accrued outside of the UFC. His fight IQ and ability to adjust during the fight could and should play a very crucial role in this performance on Saturday night against Brad Katona. Both fighters bring unique strengths to the table. Katona's versatility in striking and grappling against Gibson's knockout power and overall advantage and experience. It is a matchup that looks to be back and forth battle for the ages and for another shot at UFC greatness and a UFC contract. The big question is, who do I have winning this thing? I'm going with Cody Gibson. I think that he's going to be too much on the feet. I think he's going to overwhelm him with the pressure. And I think that no matter how good Brad Katona's jab is, it's not going to be any kind of match when he has a much longer, much stronger Cody Gibson standing across from him. Cody Gibson actually has a six and a half inch reach advantage over this young man sheesh um pretty yeah, damn significant he's uh, a big 135er so, 
He's a, he's a big guy. He's a big, big guy. And he made championship weight. The guy's, the guy's going to go out there. He had a clean cut. He had a good cut. Got to imagine he's nursed that knee a little bit. If he was able to do that to your boy this week on the episode, imagine what he's going to do to your boy on Saturday. It's not going to be pretty for Brad Katona. And uh, I think he just might have the kryptonite for that Superman. Turn him back into Clark Kent. Ooh, I like it. God, that was well said, brother. I mean, you put the bow on it, man. Not much else needed to be said there. Let us know what you think, chat. JJ Smoke, let us know what you think, brother. But yeah, it's going to be a fun one, ladies and gents. We definitely did our homework this uh, this time around, folks. That's what happens when we have a little bit of extra time off, you know? Uh, moving yeah. into the next one, we got Kurt the Hurt Hollabach. Uh, You know what we say in the South, Hollabach. Woo-hoo, Hollabach. Going in against Austin Hubbard. I like Austin Hubbard a lot, but I like Kurt Hollabach a lot more. Um, you know, I'm, I'm from the South. You know what I'm saying? Dirty, dirty. You heard me? Um, yeah. Louisiana got a rep, Louisiana. And he is definitely about as Louisiana as it comes. Dude, this is going to be a great fight. This is going to be one for the ages. Um, you want me to take the lead or you want to take the lead on this one? Brother, you're hot. You're fired up, man. Tell us about your boy. Let's go. All right, let's go. When it comes to Kurt Hollibaugh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, doesn't matter who you are, what you are. As long as you identify as a fight fan, you're in the right place. When it comes to this guy, Kurt Hollibaugh, there's a certain quote that comes to mind, Nano. Success isn't always about greatness. It's about consistency. Consistent hard work leads to success. Greatness will come. Dwayne The Rock Johnson said that. Let's go. And it came to my mind as soon as I saw this young man back inside the UFC lights on tough. Kurt made his UFC debut, for those of you that don't know and are new to this sport, back in 2013 against Steven Seiler on the very opening fight of UFC 159, a.k.a. John Jones versus Chael Sonnet. He stepped in on one month's notice to face an opponent and make his UFC debut. Less than three months after having lost a unanimous decision to Pat Healy outside of the promotion. Kurt stepped in on short notice and he lost that fight to Steven Seiler and was cut instantly by the UFC. No second chance. It took 10 more fights before he was given even a shot on Dana White's contender series, earning another shot and ultimately losing three in a row because they fed him to Howney Barcelos, Shane Burgos, and Tiago Moises. Yeah, you might know those fucking names. What happened? He got cut again. Now, 10 years after his original UFC debut, he will make that walk again tonight, folks. Across from him, though, is no easy test. Austin Hubbard is someone who is younger in their career, but has seen the UFC octagon seven times, actually, going three and four in the UFC before being cut. He looks to obtain a second chance in the UFC as well with a win over Kurt. But again, just like for Kurt, this is no easy test for Mr. Hubbard. Both of these men possess a somewhat similar skill set and that they are both skilled grapplers who seemingly prefer to showcase their striking skills on the feet and put on a good show for us fans. The biggest difference in style, or the style in which they strike, is Kurt the Hurt Holaba gives meaning to the nickname The Hurt. He possesses a wide range of striking techniques in a style that combines power with accuracy. Pinpoint accuracy, throwing everything he has into those shots. You can tell that when this man unloads anything from the chamber, it's got venom on it, and it's meant to destroy you. Austin Hubbard, however, is able to move forward and land strikes while seemingly not slowing down across the distance. The question is, is he able to continue doing that and utilizing his typical pressuristic style once Kurt lands those first big shots? I see Kurt having the advantage in every aspect of this fight outside of age. It'll be a competition of the young hungry dog versus the old grizzled junkyard dog, and I can't wait. Let's freaking go. Let's go, man. God, you broke it down fantastically. 
Not much else I need to say here. I agree with your brother. Kurt is going to put a hurt on our boy Austin Hubbard over here. Um, I just think he's going to be a bit too much for him. I think, honestly, he might dominate him very similarly to how we did to our boy Jason Knight. I'm curious if they're both going to throw caution to the wind and you know give us a fan-friendly fight or if they're going to be a little more tactical, knowing what's at stake, knowing that their UFC career, again, is on the line. With that being said, I think Kurt just has way too many tools in the toolbox. And like you said, man, he's so sharp and he hits you so darn hard. He looks extremely strong. Both these guys look big, in my opinion, for the division. 155, it's crazy to think that they fight the same weight class as, you know, the Chandlers and Dustins of the world. Obviously, thinking about that, it's like, okay, there are obviously levels to it. But, man, but when I watch Kurt fight, I think, man, this guy. He, he hurts people like it's it's he's built a little different, man. And he's been in there with some with some dogs, we would like to say around here. A um, little bit more of the busier fighter and still more accurate as well. Being Kurt Hollibaugh, we got to go with the with the got to go with our boy. It's Kurt. He's going to put the hurting on him, man. That's it. Kurt, the hurt all day, baby. Let's go. You heard it here first. Um, bet the bank on Kurt Hollibaugh. Uh, and moving into the next fight, guys. We're going to brush through some of these next ones before we make it up to our top three that we're going to go over, but we would be remiss if we didn't talk about them, right? So Gregory Robocop Rodriguez, uh, you might recognize him or remember him from crazy good knockouts on his end or um, having a disgustingly large cut um, or just, you know, recent, most recently losing to Bruno the Hulk Fajeda. Um Either way, every time he's in there, win, lose, or draw, the guy puts on one hell of a show. And I'm excited to see him come in against Dennis Tayulian, um from Moscow, Russia. Dude's fighting out of Evolve Gym. He's 10 and 7, um, kind of a 500 fighter, if I'm being completely honest. He's definitely a solid guy, but he is 1 and 2 in the UFC right now with losses to Aliskab Kizirev and Junyong Park. Most recently, Junyong Park, who uh, got the RNC, the rear naked choke on him. On the, uh, I think it was on the undercard of Lewis versus Spivak, and then Gregory Rodriguez. Again, he's he's the bigger, stronger, longer guy fighting out of Killcliffe FC by way of Brazil. Um, I, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. Other than this is this is going to be a, a comeback for Gregory Robocop Rodriguez, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Robocop is uh, finally making his UFC return after that flash knockout against Bruno Fajeda that we actually broke down back in January. It's fun, uh, crazy to think back that we've been doing it pretty much almost every week, double time since then. We're getting after it. Let's go. Uh, but he's back, right? Um, Robocop's back, and, and he has the toughness, and he has the youth on his side. I think he does have more in the tank. I think he's got that uh, that reboot, you know, the software update. He's a Robocop 2.0 out there. That's what we're going to see. Because, um, again, I think he took enough time off that from that flash knockout. Dude's big. He's strong. He's robotic. Como origato, Mr. Roboto will knock your ass out. That's what I think is going to happen here uh, this week, uh, tonight. Jeez. Uh, but yeah, Dennis, a tough Russian fighter. Um, he's ha- He did have an impressive outing last time out and about against a, a raw Jamie Pickett. Um, you know, he has 10 wins, 9 KOs. So, dude, I mean, he's got some heavy, lethal hands here. Robocop's going to have to avoid them early. Uh, but I do think... That Robocop has the skill set, like you mentioned, man. Well-rounded. Um, and as long as he shows enough patience, I think the violence will eventually come out. And this will be a fun prelim for us, ladies and gents. I think uh, Robocop's going to get maybe the first stoppage of the night here. 
I completely agree with that. I, I mm-hmm. think I, I could definitely see him. I don't know if it'll be the first stoppage of the night. I think the first stoppage might end up actually coming in the early prelims, uh, if I'm being completely honest. I could Ooh. see uh, Andrea Lee and Natalia Silva getting into a crazy exchange and one of them two getting finished. Um, True. Yeah. but and, and I mean, come on. Kurt the Hurt going against Austin Hubbard. I don't know There's who's going to go two down. Dogs, Someone is. Man, it's tough. Two dogs. That's fair. That's fair. That is uh, fair. But I, I definitely think that we will see probably one of the crazier knockouts of the night or earlier yes. knockouts of the night in this one. Yes. Um, yes. This one will not last long. Now, speaking of not lasting long, we got to address the elephant in the room in this next one. Chris, the all American born in the USA, Wideman himself, Chris Wideman, the Wideman. Um, you know, he, he just lasted a, a mere 17 seconds in his last fight. A whopping two years ago, um, April 24th, 2021, against Uriah Hall on the undercard of Usman versus Masvidal 2. And what ended up happening, he threw a kick, he threw a leg kick, and basically just his his bone wrapped around another man's bone. It was disgusting. Um, I think I speak for the entire collective MMA community when I say that if, if you want to see the tightest clenched butt cheeks in the world... Turn and look at any MMA fan, the first, second, and third, and every following uh, leg kick that Chris Weidman throws in this fight. I know, yeah. I know, like, if he literally, throws one. If I'm going to clinch my one. butt cheeks so hard, like, I, I did it so hard, my whole freaking desk just moved. Um, <laughs> it, that That's going to be the case all fight, all night. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I oh God, dude, like, I just, I don't know if you heard him at the presser. They asked him if he, you know, like. If he's going to throw leg kicks and he he literally joked and was like, you got to let me get one before you check him. Like, at least let me land one. I'll let you land one, but let me land a leg kick before you start checking him. Thought that was funny. Um, love that he has a sense of humor about it. I don't know if I would. Um, I get nauseated just thinking about that clip. And Brad Tavares is no slouch. I mean, he's 19 and eight, which is, again, not the greatest record in the world. But standing across from him, 15 and six, Chris Weidman doesn't have the best record either. Right. They're about the same kind of win loss ratio. The difference is, like, Bruno Silva and Drikas Duplessis are the last two losses on Brad Tavares' record. And uh, he went to the distance against DDP, which gives me a little bit of worry when it comes to Chris Weidman. However, I think that we might see Chris Weidman go back to his all-American ways, hit some all-American wrestling, and just give him a good old-fashioned USA wrestle-fucking. I think that might be the case. But, man, I I think it also just might be the hopeful in me. So... I can honestly tell you, I probably won't be betting on this one. Um, but curious to hear your thoughts, Nano. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think the the all American in myself here is definitely wanting to see uh, that ultimate comeback story, right? A gruesome, gruesome injury, like you mentioned there against Uriah Hall over two years ago, and he's had you know ample time to recover. I mean, but man, I'm pretty sure Daniel Cormier and some of the build-up stuff here for the fight was talking about like a, maybe a documentary or something that's coming out, like an E60 that goes into more detail about it. I mean, man, Chris had to relearn how to walk, you know, but through the uh, his faith, through his you know uh, strength and his ability to you know fight back, and has his family there to maybe push him as well, has all the motivation, all the why in the world. And dude's got some just good old classic American grit, man. I mean, it's hard not to root for the guy. The obvious thing here, and the lines show it, uh, and why Brad Tavares is that like a little bit of a heavier favorite here at uh, minus two sixty. Uh, you can get you know Chris Weidman at plus two ten. To me, just sounds so juicy. Um, 
and again, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to capture lightning in a bottle here. I understand Chris Weidman's 39 years old, but I think he could channel a little bit of that Glover Tech era, right? Uh, with a couple years off, maybe a little bit of time to heal, obviously, literally. Let's go, JJ Smoke. Both going for Weidman here. I think all three of us are, honestly. Because um, oh, yeah. again, he's got that tough American wrestling background. And, and he still has some heavy hands. He still has the ability to strike with you. And I think he can dig really deep. He has that championship level pedigree. He is an ex-champ. Um, you know, so I think his striking ability, I think his, his ability to grapple, get to the chain wrestling, uh, and just avoid the nukes that Brad Tavares has. And he, he has some heavy hands. He's someone that is motivated, trying to you know make that next jump in his career by getting a big name under his belt like uh, Weidman. But... Brad has lost some fights. He has some holes in the game. And again, I think when you've been at that championship level, when you're as smart as someone like Weidman is, I mean, he's still connected to the UFC. He's still analyzing it. He's still breaking it down. It's not like he's, you know, been out of it. I mean, he's obviously been rehabbing, doing his thing. But again, we love a good comeback story. And I think this is going to be a fun one for our boy Weidman, man. I think he's going to continue to be a staple here as long as he wants to fight. Maybe a couple more big names there. I don't know if he's necessarily going on a title run per se, but hey, go out on your terms. Go out on a good note. Um, and 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 it's and it's tough. I mean, for Brad, I mean, again, he, he's coming off of some losses to Driscus Duplessis and uh, Bruno Silva most recently. And I mean, again, his back's up against the wall. I mean, geez, even the fact that everything going on in Hawaii, it's like I, I don't want to root against the guy. Like, you know, huge shout out and thoughts and prayers out to them, Maui and everybody in Hawaii. But um, it just it just boils down to skills. And I think it boils down to the mental game. And I think Weidman is going to have that edge, man. Like you said, maybe after he throws that first kick or, hey, don't freaking throw him at all. <laughs> just go punch him in the face and take him down. Punch him more in hit, the face. Hit him with okay? the same elbow that you hit Mark Munoz with. Do that. There we go. Do that. Yeah, get that one back in the rotation. But uh, this is going to be a really fun fight. I think we're going to see some vintage Weidman here. It's going to be a, a fun clash. No Molina joke. Weidman, if, baby. If you haven't seen that elbow I'm talking about, Mark Munoz. What's up, Brianna? Let's go. Um, if you what haven't up? seen that elbow I'm talking about, that he delivered on Mark Munoz. And this is before the Anderson Silva fights. Um, I still, to this day, as a, and you know how like into MMA I am, I would say that's probably one of the top three best timed and placed elbows I've ever seen in my entirety. Um, it's up there with Yair Rodriguez, like turning the tides of a fight that he was down 24 minutes and 59 seconds of against Chan Sung Jung. Like the way Crazy. He just, he sliced down Mark Munoz's forehead as he was rushing in to blitz and it dropped him. It was disgustingly perfect timed. Um, so fight fans, do yourself a favor and make sure you go watch that after you listen to this or watch this. And man, jumping into the next one, I actually am stoked about this next one. We got Marlon Chito Vera coming in against Pedro, the young Punisher Munoz. Um, the young Punisher should probably just drop the young and, and just go with the Punisher these days. He's up there. He's 36. Um, Marlon, <laughs> no spring chicken. the young Chito Vera is only 30. He's a spring chicken here in this one. Um, this is going to be a curious matchup. Definitely a clash of styles. Uh, one guy is, is more of a grindy type of fighter, in my opinion, uh, in Pedro Munoz coming in against a guy that honestly tends to be asleep for the first five minutes of the fight. He takes the first round off most fights uh, more often than not. But God, that's how he ends up winning because he almost lulls you into this false sense of safety and confidence, and then he destroys your soul in the next few rounds. Um, he's just 30 years old. He has 20 wins, eight by way of TKO slash KO, eight by way of submission, and only four going the distance to decision. 
Man does not like leaving it in the hands of other folks, and uh, that's probably why he's a fan favorite. Curious to see how you how you see this one going here, Nano. Man, this is a really fun fight. I mean, this can be a co-main, maybe a main event on a fight night. This has fireworks written all over it. Two of the most exciting bantamweight fighters right now. Obviously, we have the main event, which are two of the dogs fighting as well. But these guys have a lot of juice behind their name, and they know what's at stake here. Uh, both of them have fought Sugar Sean O'Malley. If he wins and they win, he already talked about maybe a collision there. So a lot is at stake to stay in the conversation for a potential contender. Uh, but my boy Marlon Chito Vera, my Ecuadorian brother, uh, similar arc in his career, I feel like, uh, to a Charles Oliveira. Honestly, if you think about it, Chito has been in the UFC since 2014 and over the last two years has accumulated wins over some greats, right? We're talking future Hall of Famers here. My boy Sugar Sean to lead off the list. Might be a little biased there. Don't don't hate me for it. Uh, but Frankie Edgar, a dog. Rob Font, stud. And our boy Tom Cruise, another savage, man. That is a murderer's row that Marlon was able to uh, pick apart to just literally kick in the face and say, get out of here. I'm taking your spot. <laughs> get out of my way. Um, Chito, yeah, again, was able to pick them apart. Um, just being the more calculated, like you said, lulled them into this false sense of uh, security and then just violently put them away. I mean, I, I love the way he fights. Uh, good knack for throwing like his well-timed strikes, his counters, holds a lot of power in both hands. Again, can knock out his feet as well. He, he's willing to throw elbows, willing to mix it up and just get nasty with you. Um, and he's got a good boxing pedigree as well. Again, I, Cheeto is a problem for most 135ers on the planet. Besides like a Corey Sanhagen or someone that's just special, right? Corey's an anomaly. He's a unicorn in the division. Same with Aljo. Um, and, and, you but can the, say that, that Sanhagen is an MMA anomaly. Right, you are, Cotton. <laughs> <laughs> that was a layup. Hell yeah. Thanks for taking that. Uh, but hey, man, I mean, Pedro, again, I mean, and I found this out through the uh, UFC pre-fight show that they do. They're doing a little trivia but um, Marlon Chito Vera has the most finishes in bantamweight. And then Pedro has the most fights in bantamweight history. So, hey, man, coming off another another dog, another staple in the in the division here. Uh, Pedro is coming off that amazing KO victory over my boy, our boy, Guapo, Chris Gutierrez. Uh, he did look really fast. He looked strong. He looked angry in that fight. It was a really, really fun version of Pedro that we saw. Um, a part of me thinks maybe he just caught Guapo off guard a little bit. I don't think Chito's going to be surprised with anything that Pedro brings into the octagon here. Um, you know, before this win, Pedro did lose to both Frankie Edgar and Dom Cruz, along with Ho- Jose Aldo and Aljo, Maine Sterling. Um, some big names, obviously, you know, not to discredit him for that, but using a little bit of MMA math here, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to lean against the guy that has beat the opponents that he's also seen. Um, and I think Pedro, as, as strong as he is, as durable as he is, I think he does have some holes on his feet, tends to keep his hands down when he starts throwing, almost like closes his eyes in a way, it feels like, um, where I think Cheeto's going to expose that. When it starts getting into a firefight, Cheeto's going to stay cool, calm, collected, going to stay calculated, find the chin, and um, just you know go about his business very nonchalantly. So I'm excited for it. I don't think this... I don't know. As, as durable as Pedro is, I mean, I could see a finish here, honestly. 
I, I think it's going to be a finish, too. I don't think that's out of the question. I also love that you compared uh, Marlon Chito Vera to Charles Oliveira. I mean, all in favor of him changing his name to Marlon Oliveira. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's go, go, baby. Go. It's, it's, too hair and it's just too easy. Um, Another fun no. one with Marlon, too. If you just type in uh, Marlon Chito Vera transformations, this guy. Oh, yes. The <laughs> best. The <laughs> best the looks. Years? I mean, every year he, like, can be a different person. He's one year he's Marlon. One year he's Chito. One year he's Olive. One year he's, like, he... It's it's phenomenal to see. I love it. Highly recommend. My favorite was when he had like the almost Uriah Faber like swoop hair. Yeah. It was nice, dude. It was good. He kind of has he it now. Chloe locks, yeah. He's he's kind of got the little uh, little do right now. Yeah, I don't mind it. I like it. Um, so I again, I don't think you're crazy in thinking that he could finish Pedro Munoz here. Uh, have we seen Pedro Munoz get finished a lot? No, we've actually never seen him get finished. The guy has seven losses. All seven losses are decisions. But, I mean, here's the thing. Marlon Chito Vera goes out there and he knocks people out that don't get knocked out. Um, again, let's just call a spade a spade here. He does it in, in such a fashionable way, like you don't expect it coming. Uh, again, I, I look to the Sean O'Malley one. That is technically a TKO, right? He finished him and made it to where he couldn't continue. It started with a kick to the peroneal nerve and shut down his entire leg, but he finished with punches and elbows. Um I don't think it's crazy to think similar could happen to Pedro Munoz, but I think he actually could get a standing TKO, like a real finish KO on him. The reason being, Pedro is really durable, as you stated, but he constantly marches forward. Um, he's coming into this fight with a five and a half reach disadvantage against Marlon Chito Vera. And oh. Marlon usually fights at a disadvantage. Like he doesn't have that, a huge, crazy reach. Pedro just has a, a shockingly short reach for how like just tanky he is, right? Um it's just the opposite side of those spectrums for these two. And I think it, it's going to pay dividends for Marlon Vera because he knows how to use his range. He like I, I love your comparison to, to Oliveira, but I'm going to come back with a different one. I'm going to say that he is, by all rights, Israel Adesanya if he was born in Ecuador and never found anime. Oh, here um, we go. Because just like Adesanya, he takes the whole first round to basically download data. And then after that, he picks up on patterns that 16 people that fought you before this didn't catch, didn't pick up on. He did it with Dominic Cruz. He's going to do the same exact thing with Pedro Munoz. So the way that Dominic Cruz leads with his head, with his footwork, every time he does any kind of shuffle, he lets his head lead the dance, which is why he ate the head kick knockout, swaying to the right, leading with his head right into the shin. I think it's going to end up being something similar to that. But it's going to be maybe a, a flicker up kick, like a whip, uh, tie style whip kick. But instead of going to the body, he's going to go straight through to the face because Pedro leaves his like he has a pretty tight guard. He's good. He's he's great defensively, um, not trying to disrespect, but he does leave holes. He usually keeps his hands pretty wide to protect for hooks and or punches. A kick is just going to slice through that guard like a hot knife through butter, folks. Um, I, I just I really think that Martin Marlon has. The, the more polished striking, and I think he'll be able to shut the uh, the lights off. Gotta agree with JJ Smoke in the chat here. Pedro got T-Rex arms. That's a fact, son. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's see what Brianna said here. Interesting. Agree with the Izzy analogy of downloading info and analyzing the situation. <laughs> and then, of course, we all got to laugh at the T-Rex arms. That was good. That's solid. That was, that was solid from JJ Smoke in the chat. Um, so, yeah, I think it sounds like we're both on the Marlon Chito Vera train. Um, I'll probably wear my Marlon Vera shirt. Eat a bag of Cheetos, you know what I'm saying? Like the degenerate I am. Just <laughs> to make sure cool. we're locked in. <laughs> locked in, locked and loaded, baby. Um, so jumping into the next one, this one we're not going to spend a ton of time on, but 
we'd be remiss if we didn't at least go over it a little bit. We got Damon Blackshear coming in against Mario Bautista. This is a really fun one, in my opinion, just because of the sheer fact that sheer fact, the Blackshear fact that Damon <laughs> Demonster Blackshear literally Ooh. just fought a week ago. Um, yeah, he fought on the 12th, folks. Uh, he got a twister. The third person, to my knowledge, in UFC history to ever pull off a twister. That's and uh, just what, a, what an absolute stud. He gets it done against uh, Jose Johnson. And now he steps in just a week later on a week's notice against Mario Bautista, who needed a new opponent after his opponent um, that he was previously scheduled against had to drop out. A little, little bit more of a notable name in his previous opponent and Cody, no love Carbrandt. But man, you got to think Mario Bautista is super happy to still have a fight on this card. He's still on the pay-per-view, which is a blessing in my opinion. And for DeMond Blackshear, win, lose, or draw, you're stepping up on a week's notice. You just got a prestigious submission win that nobody really gets anymore. Um, and so again, like you're only going to build your stock here. Best case scenario, you go out here and you beat this guy that's on a four-fight win streak in the UFC um, with three out of the four coming by way of finish. Like The guy's a stud. He's got three first-round submission finishes in three of his last three fights. So... Um, not, not someone to be taken lightly. And the craziest thing is like this guy has three back-to-back submissions, but he's also got dynamite in his hands, folks. Um, he's got dynamite hands. He's got dynamite knees. Devon Blackshear has got his work cut out for him here. But I mean, this could be a really, really fun grappling exchange battle where I could see like some of the casual fans uh, going to grab a beer during this fight. Um, and, and us diehard MMA guys sitting there glued to the TV like, oh my God, did you see that transition, bro? <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be a fun one, man. This is gonna be a, a grapplers uh, g- uh, galore here, man. It's gonna be a fun one. Like you mentioned, I mean, not to break it down too much more. I do like. I think you won on the nickname here, the monster. That's phenomenal. I was to say, the man. This guy, Demon, is the man after last Saturday, Mister Twister, third in UFC history. Like you mentioned, um, proved last Saturday that he's got a well-rounded game, and now he's trying to join that elite status. I mean, a seven-day turnaround. We've seen, you know, 14 days in the Kamzat Shemaya. We've seen 10 days with like a Sean Strickland or Cowboy Cerrone. I was like going to say seven I think, days. I don't think even Cowboy hit a seven day turnaround. Seven days. It, wow. I mean, sheesh, our boy. That is that is wild. That is elite status. You're putting yourself up there with a bunch of dogs. So can yes. his cardio and chin hold up? He seems, I mean, DeMond seems extremely confident. Seems to just be looking right past Mario Batista, who is 12 and 2. Dude's a savage, man. He trains with O'Malley out here in Arizona, my home state now, um, at the MMA lab. You know, Iron sharpens iron, man. I mean, you got to respect some of these names, uh, these gyms that are making a name for themselves. Um, so, obviously, I mean, get automatically roof, roof for my boy Mario Batista. Uh, hopefully, he could keep, you know, his momentum going. Like you mentioned, his last three wins are all submission. So, no twisters, no no more twisty twisties uh, this time around. I think we probably will see some sort of submission uh, victory. I'm, I'm hoping it's on Mario's side. But, I mean, they can get rolling around, and, and you never know. It's going to be high level. I know that much. He's also coming in uh, against a three-inch reach disadvantage coming in against his new opponent compared to the four-and-a-half-inch reach advantage he would have had against Cody Garbrandt. you got to think that's going to pay or play a little bit into the game planning aspect of things because he was expecting to have a much easier time getting in range. And now he's going to have to fight those long lanky arms. And that's not even accounting for the foot reach. Like, uh, I mean, if, if you think about the the height difference here, Cody Garbrandt's five, seven, Damon Blackshear is 
Well, that's actually not a big height difference. He's only 5'8". So mm. not a huge height difference. But again, the 3-inch the reach and arms difference is is going to play a little bit of a problem. Luckily for Batista, um, DeMond Blackshear, even though he does have two TKO slash KOs to his name, um, and one of them was very recent, right? It was just back in June. Um, he's he's had a hell of a year. <laughs> um, he's already fought three times this year, and he's looking to fight a fourth time here. So, wow. Again, he got a TKO in the second round, about three minutes and 54 seconds in over Luan Lacerda. But he's not necessarily known for his power. And Luan Lacerda, with all due respect to Luan, is not Mario Batista. And he does not spar with Sugar Sean O'Malley and eat those shots on the chin. Um, I think this is going to be a really fun grappler's delight with some uh, arguably entertaining and interesting striking exchanges mixed into a grappling belt. Agreed. I'm all for it, though. Sign me up. So we got three more fights to go over here, guys. Um, and arguably the three that we're possibly the most excited about outside of the the tough alums that are going to be putting it on on the prelims for us. Let's so go. Neil Magny, the Haitian sensation, got to be one of the best names ever, uh, coming in against Ian Machado, Gary. Love to hear your take on this, and I'll let you take the lead. I got quite a bit to say. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll keep it <laughs> short and sweet. Thanks. I love your analysis today, brother. You're on fire. Um, but man, Ian Gary versus Neil Magny. This one uh, is a little bit of a, a shocker, right? It was a, a last minute kind of switch up here. And and for whatever reason, this has a lot of heat behind it, right? I mean, this one feels a little a little dark. I mean, I don't know what exactly was said. Apparently, Neil Magny might have mentioned something about uh, whooping Ian Gary's butt like he does his child of some sort, which maybe insinuated that he maybe puts whoopings or spanks or I don't know. But boy, did Ian Gary get triggered. I don't know if it was, it reminded me of kind of like a Michael Jordan moment where it was like, you're making something out of nothing here, right? Like, oh, he looked at me the wrong way. That, you know, like that. Now I knew it meant business. It's like, what? He, he said good game, bro. <laughs> what you, like, I don't know if it's one of those things where it's just like he just, just saw, wanted, needed, a, needed a, a reason to see red or to, to find that hate in him. Just like, you know what? I need to find that edge. But boy, triggered. <laughs> Our boy Ian Gary, not a fan of that. And you saw the press conference. You posted a phenomenal video on Instagram and the YouTubes and the tw- and the X. I was gonna say Twitter, but on X. Uh, so go check it out, ladies and gents, if you have. It's phenomenal. But Ian Gary definitely channeling that that Conor McGregor man. I mean, Mister Machado Gary. It's his time. He's bringing, like I said, a lot of juice. Um, he, Neil Magny is definitely a, a interesting puzzle to solve. However, I mean, I you even seen Gilbert Burns right next to Ian Gary. He's training with him. He's giving him all the tips of the tricks, and he's telling him, "Hey, go out there, go finish him quick, right? I mean, bring a little extra heat. Go get the the show that you're looking for. Get the finish you're looking for." Um, I feel bad for Neil, man. Neil seems like a nice guy. I don't again. I don't know what was exactly said. If he really did does beat his kids or what but he neil seems like a nice guy i felt kind of bad <laughs> i just felt bad watching his face i'm like oh man this is really like picking on him a little bit here uh magni but a stylistically a long slick savvy veteran um shout out for taking the fight on shorter notice uh but this is going to be a, a tough matchup you know it's going to be a tough outing for ian uh neil is if he doesn't put him out quick if he and gary doesn't put neil out quick Neil, I mean, he's he's pesty. You know, like a Brackaton, he's a little pesty. He's a little annoying in there. He's long. He's hard to deal with. And if he starts peppering you, I mean, next thing you know, you're wobbly legs and and he's putting you out of there. So still leaning Ian Gary. I mean, the odds and everything. I mean, it's Ian's going to go out there and 
probably get a win, maybe by decision. I mean, I don't think he'll be able to make, you know, quick work of our boy Neil Magny, but oh, all right, all right, JJ. We will have to agree to disagree, brother. I'd love to see it. I mean, that'll be huge for Ian JJ Gary. Smoke, for those of you just uh, tuning into the audio only version of this, JJ Smoke in the chat is going Ian Gary first round KO. Love nice. that smoke. I mean, he's fired up, dude. He seems angry. I wouldn't be surprised if he just like runs across to the octagon and tries to like Spartan kick him in the chest. <laughs> his his level of anger is kind of reminding me of the level of anger that Dustin Poirier had going into the first fight against Conor McGregor. And we saw how that played out for him. He was a little bit too aggressive and he got dropped. Uh, not, so Not good. I could see that happening. Now, jumping into the breakdown here. On one side, we have the experienced Neil the Haitian sensation Magny. He's a veteran of the sport. He's got a record of 28 and 11 and is known for his exceptional reach and cardio. Magny has faced some of the biggest names in the welterweight division in UFC history and has proven his ability time and time again to adapt and overcome adversity against said top household names. On the other side of the equation, we have the up-and-coming prospect, Ian Gary. With an undefeated record of 12 wins, 8 coming by way of finish, Gary has been making waves in the MMA world as of late. He's a finisher known for his striking skills and amazing Conor McGregor impersonations. Gary has shown incredible potential, and this matchup against Magny will undoubtedly be his biggest test to date. When it comes to the striking department, Magny's reach advantage could play a significant role in this fight. His ability to maintain distance and use his jab effectively while wearing down opponents over the course of three rounds is something Gary will need to strategize against. Bagney's experience also means he's well-versed in the art of mixing up striking and wrestling to keep his opponents guessing at all times of the fight. Gary, on the other hand, possesses heavy hands and explosive striking power. He's shown that he's not afraid to engage in wild exchanges, often leading to finishes. His youth and aggression might be his two biggest assets in this fight, but he'll need to be cautious coming in against Magny's calculated approach. Now, when it comes to the ground game, Neil Magny's wrestling and grappling skills could provide him with an advantage. He has a knack for controlling opponents on the mat once he gets them there, using his length to smother and neutralize their attacks from the bottom. Magny's top control and ground and pound could be pivotal if he decides to take the fight to the canvas. However, Ian is no slouch on the ground and does have a lot of BJJ experience in his back pocket as well. He might end up surprising Magny if Magny gets sloppy, greedy, um, and just hasty and leaves openings while on the canvas. And now, the million-dollar question. Who's going to come out on top? Will it be the seasoned veteran Neil Magny using his experience to weather the storm? Or will the young and hungry Ian Gary pull off the biggest win in his UFC career thus far? The beauty of mixed martial arts actually lies in its unpredictability, in my humble opinion. And that is exactly what we're going to be looking forward to tonight on Fight Night. It is a clash of styles and a clash of generations that are going to make this fight all the more intriguing. But gun to my head, folks, you already know I'm going with Neil Magny. I will fade Ian Gary every fucking time he fights. I don't like his mouth. Um, he reminds me too much of Conor McGregor, and he's trying too hard to be Conor McGregor. Um, you know, he says wow. he's not here to take part. He's here to take over. Well, he might need to take over impersonating someone else after tonight because I think Magny's going to teach him a lesson. He might bend him over his knee and beat him like he beats his children, um, <laughs> which is not what he said. He literally said that, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, your kid messes up, does something wrong. You got to give him a whooping to, to, to teach him a lesson. That's the kind of whooping I'm going to put on Ian Gary tonight. Ian Gary latched onto that like if you've well, ever like seen a, the anime like Naruto, a to a, his he literally has like the self-esteem issues of Gara of yeah. the desert. Like <laughs> he looked at me wrong, so he has to die. Like 
that, like, that he was, was just that waving was at you, bro. Like he, <laughs> yeah. he just looked yeah. at you, dog. Like, he didn't. He wasn't even talking. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you mean? What are you doing? Uh, so Fit out I, of I context just, here. <laughs> I think Ian Gary might be biting off more than he could chew, and I think the worst thing he can do is give himself a false narrative to be upset going into that fight because in this kind of fight, you need every bit of brain power you have. You don't want to waste any of it on anger, aggression, and and just anguish, right? So I think he's he's going to end up going into the quicksand. I could see him going in very, very brash, very uh, aggressive, possibly rocking Neil Magny early on. But wholeheartedly, I think Neil Magny has the chin to recover. I think he'll get the fight to the mat. And once he gets it there, Mr. Ian Machado Gary is going to realize that the, the only thing Machado worthy that he has is his name because it's not his BJJ skills, folks. And Magny's going to put that on full blast. Ooh. Oh, another thing. You know, uh, Ian Gary on that presser was talking a, a whole lot about how old and washed Neil Magny is. Fun fact, folks. Neil Magny is four years younger than Ian Gary's wife. Whoa. So you got to think there's going to be trouble in paradise going home, folks. <laughs> win, lose, or draw. Uh, hope he gets a win bonus because he'll need to buy the lady something nice. And um, she's 15 oh, years older than Ian Gary. So... You know, he probably shouldn't call people old or mess with age. Um, just, you know, don't you don't want to leave that landmine alone. You did your homework, my guy. Wow, you're coming from all angles. I, lo- I love what you said earlier. You're like, I just don't like his mouth. <laughs> Shut I your mouth. I don't like his fucking mouth. I don't like his mouth. Shoot your fucking mouth. <laughs> I don't like your mouth. We're not here Shut to take mouth. part. We're here to take over. <laughs> oh, my Atlanta. Like, see, Ian, I can do it too, bro. I can do a good Conor McGregor impression. I just choose to be my own person. Uh, so, moving into the next fight, we have Zhang Wiley coming in against Amanda Limosh. This is a solid fight that I'm very excited about. Uh, <laughs> we have two ladies coming in here, putting it on the line. Uh, Zhang Wiley putting the belt on the line. Amanda Lemos putting the pride and uh, a lot of work across the last few years in this division on the line against a very game Zhang Wiley. You want me to take the lead on this one? You want to take the lead on this one, Dono? Um, honestly, I was Google searching Ian Gary's wife just to double check who that was. I got a little sidetracked here. So, uh, <laughs> you take a lead, brother. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, throw my two cents in after because you're on fire, man. I love it. Let's go. So jumping into Zhang Wiley versus Amanda Lemosh. <clears throat> Zhang has made a name for herself as one of the most dominant forces in the division. Her striking power, aggressive style, and impressive takedown defense have catapulted her to the top of the division. This is why she's champion today. Lemosh has been gaining attention for her knockout power and well-rounded skill set. Her rise through the ranks has been nothing short of impressive in recent years, and a victory against Zhang Wiley could solidify her as a serious threat to the entire division. Zhang Wiley is known for her relentless pressure and devastating punches. She throws throws a power and precision, often overwhelming her opponents with her striking combination. Zhang's uh, Muay Thai background shines through in her striking style, making her a force to be reckoned with on the feet and obviously making me a fan as a diehard Muay Thai guy myself. Amanda Limos, on the other hand, possesses dynamite in her hands and her knockout victories are a testament to her striking prowess. Her ability to close the distance and land powerful shots could be a key factor in this fight, especially considering that she's coming in with a two-inch reach advantage. Um... For Zhang Wiley, maintaining her trademark aggressive pace and striking pressure will be essential. She'll want to avoid getting caught in a brawl with Lemos while using her takedown defense to keep the fight standing. Zhang's experience as a champion could and should help her stay composed under the pressure of tonight's fight. Lemos will look to capitalize on her striking power by finding openings and landing powerful shots while Zhang is coming forward with her Muay Thai stance. 
If she can mix in takedowns and grappling exchanges, she might actually be able to surprise Zong and keep her off balance throughout the rounds. Lemos needs to stay patient and avoid making any mistakes against the champion that is as strong and has the forward pressure of Zhang Weili. Will Zhang's championship experience and well-rounded skill set prove to be too much for the rising contender Amanda Lemos? Or will Lemos' explosive striking and grappling skills propel her towards a major upset tonight? I got to tell you, I'm leaning towards Zhang Weili's championship experience and overall grit proving to be just a bit too much for the challenger and Amanda Lemos. And still... The champion, Zhang Wiley. Let's go. And still, baby. I mean, we're going to be doing a couple shots tonight, but not on this one. We're going to have to agree. I mean, we're going to have to agree. Wiley, man, she, she, not only is she getting better and learning more skills in the octagon, but man, she's learning more English as well. Boston, let me hear you. That was very good. It was very good. I was, Dude, I, I was that excited about that. I reposted that this morning, and I think the caption for my quote retweet was, I love this. <laughs> like, it was, dude, she did it was, really it good. Made, it made my morning, bro. It was so cute. Like She didn't I even answer the question. Like, she just wanted to say what she probably was dialed in on that the whole time. She, I, think, I was going to say, she's probably rehearsed that in the mirror so many times. And like for these fighters from other countries that don't speak our language, like it's wrong of us to just hope that they learn our language or expect that they will. When they go that extra step and they try to do that, like, they're doing that to communicate with the people that are watching them every single Saturday, right? Like, that's big. That made me tenfold that. more of a fan. Yeah. And I was already a fan. You got to love that. I don't know <laughs> if it sorry. was on the embedded or on the countdown, but there was uh, a little scene where she was with maybe her coach or a partner, and she was, like, going to tell the other coach or someone walk walking in. He was, like, teaching her. He was teaching her how to say brother or brother. Like, what's up, brother? <laughs> And she's like, what's and she's like, what's up, brother? And he's like, no, it's a little soft. Like, hey, brother, brother, like try to get what's up, brother. You know, whatever. it was like the cutest thing ever. He's like, a little soft, a little soft, brother. What's up, brother? It was like, and then she like hits it. He walks in. They're all cracking up. Great, great scene. I mean, getting a little sidetracked here, but I think just, hey, bro, they're humans in there as much as we like to look at them as gladiators or put on this pedestal. They're humans and love to see her opening up, being vulnerable, branching out, learning a new language earning some new fans. Uh, but again, Whaley, man, she's she's still getting better. It's crazy to say that for as talented and as dominant she is at 34 years old, still in her prime window. And after her last couple of performances, it, it's hard to really bet against her at this point. You got to give her all the bit of, you know, the greatness that she's earned. And really the only blemish in her, uh, the only chink in her armor is, is are those two Thug Rose losses. I'm curious if she's ever going to be able to defend those or not. Because I think if they cross paths again, I mean, I, it might be different at this point, man. But that shit might have sailed, and that's totally fine. Uh, but now in the relevancy of today, we had Amanda Lemos, uh, Lemos, the next Brazilian stud on the scene. I mean, always a new crop of talent coming out of there. She's the new kid on the block. Even though she's 36 years old, has slowly uh, slowly matured into this uh, title shot. You know, she's put all of her tools together. Like you mentioned, she's extremely explosive, a really fierce opponent for all these women at 115 or even 125. I mean, the, the power transfers over. I put in my notes as well. She is extremely springy. I, I feel like she kind of has like a lower guard. She kind of tends to put her hands down, at least when she starts to, you know, make it a firefight. But she makes up with it with her speed, her power, and her precision. I mean, I, I feel like she really does have all three, and it shows. I mean, you just throw on the highlights. She's putting women out. It's 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 impressive to watch. Um, and she looks strong. And then she even has a, a good ground game as well. You see that validated with her guillotine choke over the hottie karate mommy, one of my favorites ever. 
Um, so again, you know, I, I gotta you know, give Amanda all the credit. She's earned this title shot. I'm hoping she can showcase her skills and, and her durability here. But I just think the longer it goes, the more in quicksand she's going to be. And Whaley is going to be right there to, you know, be, weather the storm, to have a response for everything. If she starts letting them fly, I mean, brother, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of, a softer, lot of punches. Softer. Brother. 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 <laughs> brother. <laughs> brother. <laughs> can you hear me, Busted? Let me hear you. That was, uh, yeah, that was so good. Yeah, let me hear you, Busted. Let me hear Dude, you. That was, that was so, like, that I was literally. Perfect. That was very it was so good, dude. It was so good. I was like, I was watching you. it on my phone, like clapping. <laughs> I like found myself saying it. Let me hear you. I was like, that is a good one. Like, you know, you could hear you know, all these things. What's up? Whatever. Let me hear you. That's was, that was good. I love that, dude. It's, yeah. it's like a rock. That's rock star stuff, bro. Absolutely, man. She's a natural WWE status. But yeah, she, I think Bailey's going to win, though. I mean, like I said, if it gets into the uh, championship round, she can maybe put her away by TKO. Just, you know, accumulation of damage. Um it's going to be a fun fight. Amanda's it is a, tough, be a very tough fun girl. Fight. Definitely going to be a fun fight. Um, for this next one, why don't we uh, we'll break down each fighter and then we'll go into our breakdown of the fight and how we see that going. I like it. I like it. You want to start us off with Sean O'Malley? I, I'm more than happy to. And I was going to say, I got to specify here, you know, uh, disclaimer. I am extremely biased. Okay. Please take my words with the lens and the understanding that I am in the front row of the sugar show. Okay. I just went to the dentist. I got, uh, cavities, you know, I mean a lot of sugar around these pots. Okay. <laughs> a lot of, uh, high corn fructose syrup, like, uh, <laughs> Aljamain said, uh, but just to highlight this fight, I mean, man, so much, it's such a fun buildup ever since, you know, Al, uh, sugar had his little exchange with Aljamain in the octagon after Aljo beat Henry really like laid the blueprint for this to be a fun good back and forth good banter the sugar the um you know alja main aljo trying to rap all this fun stuff i mean mirab mirab wearing the jacket still i can't believe he did that that is hilarious uh mirab yeah making a name for himself here as well um but sticking with with my boy sugar again i'm extremely biased so please take that as it is uh but this dance has a lot of hype around it man we have the best bantamweight ever going up against the biggest star in bantamweight history in my opinion um let's see what did brian have to say here i was never on the o'malley hype train but tonight but i am tonight nice he's a great fighter i think he'll take the w let's go brianna you get some good odds if you uh if you look on DraftKings. but yeah i mean hey starting with our boy sugar Man, he's had a great rise here in the UFC. Really uh, became a staple during COVID with um, the Contender Series and Snoop Dogg and Uriah Faber making him go viral. The Sugar Show, O'Malley, 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 O'Malley. O'Malley. <laughs> I mean, just phenomenal. I mean, that we might need to get another celebrity uh, <laughs> uh, breakdown or stream of Snoop and Uriah going, oh. Dude, Ooh. if that if that happens, that would be f- very fun. That'd be so fun. That'd JJ Smoke fun. with some fire in the chat here. I'm going O'Malley second round guillotine. Wow, that brother place five bucks on that. You might get yourself a pretty penny. That would be fantastic to see. Uh, I'll try to stay focused here because I'm just so darn excited. But Sugar Sean O'Malley, I mean, I'll let you do more of the analysis or breakdown. But just as a fan, I mean, the dude is super fun to watch, super explosive. I know him and his coach, Coach Timbo, are going to be, you know, uh, they're going to be prepared. 
and they and they know the the daunting task at hand, right? They were able to figure it out with Peter Yan. They know Al just going to go out there and try to sniff his crotch. Uh, now, all jokes aside, I mean, Al just is too dominant. He's funky. He's hard to deal with. And I did think it was interesting. The only thing that I thought was frustrating, as much as it was, it, it was cool seeing Sugar Sean just cool, calm, collected. You know, he's clicking on all cylinders. He's got his diet. He's got his mentalist. He's got his breathing. He's making sure he sleeps on point. Like, I love the approach that Sugar's taken here to the fight game, to you know, his podcasting, to just you know, putting all the resources into himself. Um, and again, I, I think he knows what's at stake here. He knows that I'll just going to go out there and try to wrestle fuck him for 25 minutes. And he, like he said, he, like his life is depending on it. He's basically treating it like he's it's do or die. Right. And when you're in that lens, how do you keep someone away from you? I mean, you gotta just, you gotta stay perfect, right? You gotta stay perfect for 25 minutes. You, you have to use the footwork. You have to use your athleticism, your springiness. Maybe you pretend to shoot a little bit. And, and some of those feints and then those style points that we typically see as as maybe the casual might think, oh, he's showboating. No, some of the feints and, and those style points are to get in the head, to get Aljamain out of his game a little bit. I think he was trying to do that. Aljamain does seem fired up. He seems a little angry, which I think can... Favor Sean a little bit, right? That that's all leading up to what Sean wants. Go ahead, get angry, get fired up. You know, uh, right during the press conference, Coach Timbo's like, "Oh, you better get him down early." And I was just like, "Oh, I will, I will." You know, it's like, okay, I, he's he's no, he's planting that seed because I think he knows he's going to try to shoot early and and I mean, avoid the knees, avoid the the the, the uh, elbows, all that. I mean, man, Sugar's going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at him. I'm just hoping it's enough, man. I'm curious to hear your breakdown a little bit more here, but my boy Sugar, man. I mean, how bringing in a lot of great tools, but how how do you out wrestle the best wrestler? How do you solve this puzzle that no one has been able to solve yet? Right? No one in the UFC has solved it. It's tough. It's tough, right? Um, just jumping into Sean O'Malley first. Um, we'll kick off by talking about the rising star in the bantamweight division. O'Malley is known for his flashy striking style, more so characterized by his unorthodox techniques and pinpoint accuracy. You can truly say that he is a sniper in there. He's a creative striker who often catches his opponents off guard with unexpected strikes and angles. Now, anybody who's ever sparred and or fought will tell you it's not the strongest, fastest, or even the best strike that knocks you out. It's the one you don't see coming. The fact that he's able to pick and choose and disguise these techniques is truly a, a blessing for him and his style. His kicks in particular are a major weapon in his arsenal. He throws them from various angles, making it difficult for opponents to predict and or defend against. His knockout power is also a factor to consider, obviously, as he's finished several opponents with his striking. O'Malley's movement and footwork are very noteworthy points of his game, constantly moving in and out of range very quickly, making it challenging for his opponents to not only land anything, but to find their rhythm and timing throughout the distance of the fight. His ability to gauge distance is truly becoming second to none in there in that division, and his ability to manage range is, again, a major testament to his striking acumen as a whole. I think that the biggest threats he's going to prove are going to be in his fakes, his feints, his range, his ability of range control, and his overall encompassing knowledge of striking. Um, the left hand coming down the pipe, the way that it did against Peter Yan, I think could prove to be a problem for Aljo. The way that he sets it up, it flies through the air like a fucking torpedo. It's beautiful to see. Um, I made a little like clip of that that I posted on Twitter earlier this week. 
and, and again, like it's literally, he did that same exact setup in training. And as I was watching the clip of him in training last week, I thought, oh, that's the same left hand that he landed on Jan three times. And then I went back and I pulled up that fight, screen recorded, and then literally was able to sync it up perfectly. It um, looks exact. Yeah. Great I should, I should actually you send did. you the one without the, without the shake camera angle effect because it mm. literally bleeds into the same exact fucking shot. It's so insane. Clean. Yeah. And like when you see someone hitting something perfectly on pads and then hitting it three times in the same fight perfectly, you know that they've drilled that technique a thousand times. Bruce Lee said it best. I fear not the man who's trained a thousand kicks. I fear the man who's trained one kick 10,000 times. That's the Let's guy go. you fear, right? That's you don't facts. fear the guy that's got 10,000 different attacks in the arsenal for you. You fear the guy that's got five or six really, really good ones that he knows how to fucking execute at any point in the fight, at any area in the fight, and he knows how to open up the angles to make him slice your shit up. Um, I, I think that this is going to be a really great fight. And, I mean, we've only talked about half of the side here. We've only really talked about Sean O'Malley. So, we got to talk about Aljamain Sterling. Uh, I let you take the lead on your boy, so I go ahead and take the lead on my boy here. Going to shift our focus here to the funk master himself, Aljamain Sterling, the reigning, defending, bantamweight champion of the world. Aljamain Sterling is known for his grappling prowess and submission skills. He is a high-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner with an uncanny ability to secure submissions from various positions. His takedowns and transitions on the ground are smooth and calculated like a surgeon on the surgical table. He has the ability to control his opponents on the mat and patiently work his way into submission positions while leaving himself completely defended from the ground game that his opponents present. His ground game has proven to be a nightmare for many of his opponents thus far. And while he's not known for his striking, he's made leaps and strides in the stand-up game. Though not his bread and butter, the Funkmaster striking serves as a means to close the distance and set up each and every component of his grappling entries. And I think that he is going to actually make this more of a striking game against O'Malley to throw off his rhythm. We saw it in the first Peter Yan fight. A lot of people need to go back and rewatch that fight because they think, oh, well, he was an actor. He pretended to eat the knee to the ground and get knocked out. He deserves an Oscar. He was piecing him up for the beginning portions of that fight. He was overpressuring him the same way we saw it happen in the rematch, folks. The rematch wasn't that different from the first fight. The only difference is Peter Jan didn't break the fucking rules, folks. That's it. Um, I think Sean O'Malley is going to come in here. He's going to have a very, very great opportunity to strike with Aljamain Sterling, and Aljamain's going to give him the opportunity to strike with him. I think we truly don't see a takedown attempt for the first three and a half minutes of this fight. And if we do, it'll be by way of Sean O'Malley. Wow, hot take. I love it though, huh? Hey, zig when 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 they zag, right? I mean, that I can definitely see that being part of a uh, coach Ray Longo and Matt Sarah and and those guys. You know, uh, Aljo's going to be well coached up, and that game plan makes sense, right? Hey, he's going to be expecting, is going to be expecting it. It's what Put, made John Jones such a phenomenal fighter in his heyday. Literally, I mean, he's the first fighter that got Bruce Buffer to start announcing him as a look see do fighter. He asked yeah. Bruce Buffer to announce him as that because he planned on going out there. I forget who it was that he did it to first, but like the most memorable one for me is when he went out and fucking power doubled like Chel Sonnen. That was pretty legendary. Usually not the path to beat Chel Sonnen, guys. He's a wrestler and he's usually <laughs> yeah. a better wrestler than you. So like, I feel like Aljamain Sterling is going to take a note out of John Jones's book and be a look-see-do fighter tonight. Well, it's funny you say that too because Aljo reminded me that they went to college together. He was a freshman when John Jones was a senior or junior going on his run starting his ufc career and he's who kind of motivated aljo to start that's how long aljo's been around dudes 
dude's savvy. I mean, he's obviously like like you talked about, man. I mean, going down is probably the best bantamweight ever. I mean, that's pretty much already, uh, you know, in set in stone. And and the reality is, is he's starting to get to that Kamaru Usman, that Izzy Volkanovski, that Khabib level of dominance, right? Um, and it's all centered around that wrestling game, being funky, being hard to just figure out. Uh, and the numbers don't lie. You know, I mean, uh, he's dominant. Is it the sexiest? No. Is it the most violent? Um, no, no. But is it the most effective given his skills and frame? I mean, fucking absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it, the fight game or the fight business, as Sean likes to call it, it's about winning and taking as little damage as possible. And that's how Aljo operates, man. He's he's damn good. And he's going to probably continue to do it for as long as he wants to at 135. If he decides to go up, totally different set of problems there. His frame, everything, does it all carry over? That's yet to be seen. But the challenge I hand is probably the one of the most decorated, one of the you know most savvy strikers in the division. I mean, we've seen what Aljo did to a Corey Sanhagen. I wonder if it's either going to be like, hey, I'm going to come out and do exactly that, jump on his back early, get him out of there, not even play, not even dance with you. I'm not going to play this game. I'm not going to tango with you. Or like you said, he leans into that and says he maybe he's thinking that I'm not going to want to strike with him. And I, and the one strike that I think of was that Khabib eagle punch, where it's like that only lands because you're so damn concerned about the freaking shoot. And if Aljo does something like that right away, you know, and he's funky, it's going to be a weird angle. It's it's not going it's going to be unorthodox. But that can startle and, and that can hurt Sean early, and, and then it's a totally different night, right? Then it's a then it's fucking downhill avalanche, unfortunately, for my, for it's my like boy. It's like a snowball. It's just going to keep yep. getting bigger and bigger. Yep. That so problem. I think you're right, man. I think you're right. I think he's going to cut through it. I think we're going to see more striking than we were anticipating, especially early on. And then I think as it gets later, you're going to see Aljo start to deploy his game plan, the chain wrestling, backpack him. And, and he is so darn good. He's so strong, right? I mean, like you said, he was able to do it to Henry Cejudo. In a savvy way. And a lot of it comes down to positional awareness. Like exactly. his positional awareness is so good. Like knowing where he is on top of you, or even when they're standing up, like knowing his distance, knowing his range, the way that Aljamain in the rematch against Jan was able to defeat the range of, of Peter Jan so easily. I I was very impressed. And yeah. again, like his, his style is very different than Sean O'Malley's. Like if you think about it as like not a fight, let's like, let's put it into a different analogy here, right? Like, let's say that, each man has a boat and they're trying to sink each other's boat. The difference in the way that they're going to do that is Sean O'Malley has three fucking large cannonballs and he's going to launch those cannonballs. And if they hit, there's a big chance that they're going to take out eight foot of fucking boat hole. Yeah. And then you have Aljamain Sterling who's got two pistols and fucking two little nine clips for each of them. Okay. So dude's got 36 bullets. And what he's going to do is he's going to hit you in little tiny pinpoints. And when you're worried about plugging this hole, he's going to hit you here. Then you have yeah. to plug this hole. And then he's going to hit another one here. And before you know it, you've got some fucking fundamental structural integrity damage here, bud. Yeah. You're already halfway. You're already halfway sunk. <laughs> you're scooping water it. out of the fucking boat for the rest of the fight. You're still um, celebrating that one big hole. Yeah, we got him. Yeah, they're not doing nothing to us. And you're already halfway. You're already swimming with the fishes, my guy. And so to, to throw to throw a, um, an even bigger anchor in this, uh, I, if I'm real talk, if I'm uh, Aljamain Sterling, 
And I'm known for this kind of peppering, you know, just pour the salt and pepper, season it up a little bit before you really cook that motherfucker. Um, I'm I'm not going in with that approach. I'm going to change it up a bit just for the first three strikes because I want to mm. scare my opponent. He's expecting nothing's going to hurt. So what am I going to do? I'm going to make sure that the first one doesn't take a ton of effort or energy, but it, it, it knocks him off his feet. Sean likes to come in and lead long. So mm -hmm. what's the best way to beat someone that's long? With kicks. Well, if you look at them, um, you know, there's a three-inch height difference, and that's okay. Aljamain is all legs. Sean is He's like long all arms torso. too. Yeah. So like that is true. What I'm saying is Aljamain probably has longer legs than yeah. Sean O'Malley if you measure just yeah. legs. I'm throwing a teep kick from hell. I'm I'm literally watching fucking the This Is Sparta clip on repeat uh -huh. for 30 minutes before the fight. And the second we touch gloves, boom! I'm kicking you and launching you into the fucking cage. Right on if your you ass. stay on your feet, if not, yeah. you're, you're landing on your ass, skipping across the canvas. Oh, and then I'm man. not going to jump on top of you and grapple with you. I'm going to make you stand up because you're already like, what the fuck? What? Like, oh, that's shit. Not, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> I did not see that coming. And then if, if you come in and then instead of doing my typical like poke, 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 I just throw a quick boom down the pipe. And even one of them slightly hurts you. Now you are second guessing everything that you walked into the cage thinking. Well, fuck, oh, this guy hits harder than I thought. Like I've been in that situation in sparring, mm -hmm. but it's, it's usually the opposite where like you see a guy, he hits you for like three minutes and you're like, oh, this isn't that bad. I could take this and boom, he slips a leg kick in and you're like, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> what the hell was, was that? Was that the same guy? So <laughs> the hell even was did you that? you grab a baseball bat? What was that? Like <laughs> that, that's genuinely the shock factor. So like if you come yeah. in thinking like, what's going to be butterflies and then it ends up being fucking bumblebees. Well, you're already kind of upset about that situational change. <laughs> that's fair. A little bumblebee tuna there. Yeah, that's a good point, bumblebee man. Bumblebee tuna. Bumblebee tuna. <laughs> bumblebee tuna. You know, I, and I mean, it's it's it boils out. You, you hit the nail on the head. And and back to like Sean's side, or, or at least if I'm Aljo, because the only time he's ever been stalked was uh, a late kick by Marlon Marias, who was a beast. I mean, at the time, Pi had some of the nastiest late kicks. Um, and, you know, the, you the mean, technique. Uh, Chito Vera? Uh, didn't Marlon Marias beat uh, Aljo back in the day? Oh, I thought you were talking about O'Malley. Aljo. Sorry, yes. Marlon Marias knocked him out. Sorry. He knocked him out with a head kick and made him dab on the way down. I mean, that that might be Suga's path to victory. I mean, maybe I'm looking at that tape and I'm looking at what... Sorry, back sorry to bring this up. Is nice. Even, I mean, dude, if he has that left that he, you know, lunges and, and you know, ends with, but why not follow up with a, a leg kick behind it? Or, you oh, know, yeah. like, uh, like how, like kind of Justin Gaethje technique. Sorry to bring him up, but what he did to Dustin. Sorry. Sorry, man. Whoops, sorry. Uh, but I mean, so, but, but that technique is, is really unique. And I mean, maybe Sean's looking at something like, how can I surprise him? What, what's he not going to expect? And it's hard to, it's hard to defend that i would say i mean oh, yeah. and the way sean throws it i mean like you said it's so sharp dude i've been watching the new season of baki highly recommend it's phenomenal season two on netflix but um one of the guys there's like some scenes in there and like the big thing is they like discover this in the second season they discover like an ancient man they call him pickle for some reason but he's like this beast like guy that used to beat up like t-rexes and stuff and um now all the martial artists are like, we want to, you know, I want to showcase my skills, you know? And so like the one karate guy, he's like, I want to showcase, you know, 500 years of karate discipline. And, and, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to evolution, uh, evolve us to the 501st year. And then this other martial artist guy, the like actual, like 
uh, whatever is like trainer or I, I'm blanking now, but another martial artist guy that like the older OG it's like, I've been, I want to use my 4,000 years of martial arts training and, and, uh, status and evolve it to the 4,000 and first year. It was pretty, the whole season, it's a fun season, but so who that got got the leg kicks? Was it a Muay Thai guy? <laughs> I mean, that I, I'm waiting for him. I haven't gotten that far yet, <laughs> but that's, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm making the analogy here. It's like, okay, you know, the wrestling and all that, maybe that's the, the 5,000 year old, uh, way, but now Sean O'Malley is going to bring it in 4,000 years of the kickboxing, of the karate, of all these different disciplines that he's bringing in. It's a long shot. It was a stretch. Please. I think that was just my plug to go watch that new season because it's really fun. But um, yeah, man, it's a martial arts at at its finest. It's uh, two two immovable objects going up against each other. Who's going to be tougher, man? I mean, you probably got to lean the wrestler, obviously, most times, but... We love violence here, man. Love I love my hometown here. hero. I love my sugar. So I'm 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 looking and hoping for a finish. I'm hoping for Aljo to be dabbing on the canvas. Like uh Sugar Sean said, da-na-na, top ten Sugar Sean O'Malley knocks out Aljo Mazar leg. That was the funniest <laughs> shit, dude. Even Aljo's like, ah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Jizz Lane Sterling or whatever is the I was honestly, oh, that was honestly hilarious. Oh, um, it's the best. Yeah, it was good. On that note, though, I mean, now that we, I guess, broken them both down, I'm, I'm leaning sugar, but realistically, I mean, I won't be surprised if Aljo wins, just uh, solidifies himself as the bantamweight go, and then calls out Volk, and then off to the races there. Then we have a new thing to talk about, but off to the what races. do you think, brother? I mean, I, I, I do think that Aljamain ends up winning it. I think he should have all the tools to get it done. The poke and prod pressure style is honestly just a, a fundamental style that will beat and should beat Sugar Sean. Sean, if he's not able to find his rhythm or range, it's going to be a long night for him, and I hope he packed a lunch. He does always have a dog's chance of getting that knockout, and the unpredictability alone of what he's able to pull off is just typically insane. Um, jumping back to what you were saying about Baki, have you watched Kang and Ashura on Netflix? No. Have you been it telling me about this best, one? It is the best martial arts anime you will ever see. Um, I'm going to go ahead and type it up in the chat. That way, Please if anybody do. else has Netflix, you got to watch it. Um, it's amazing. It's it's only one season right now. They've been supposed to have had the second season out since like 2021, I think. But there was like voice acting issues with COVID and I don't know. But honestly. Ooh, this looks sick. I mean, the graphics dude, already look pretty cool. It's incredible. And it's just like. It's all just martial arts. So it's like a Muay Thai guy, a karate guy. Like there's like a, like a, yeah, there's, there's, um, yeah, there's a lot of really, really fun characters in there. And, uh, it's cool to see how the different martial arts play, play parts. Like they do different grappling and shit. Like you see like the wrist control. It's, it's cool. Um, That's sweet. Hell yeah. So yeah, look forward to hearing your thoughts on that. It's a quick, easy watch. I feel like once you watch the first episode, um, and you see the knockout, you're going to be like, this is what we're doing until what? the fights start, Amy. <laughs> I was just gonna say I'll probably throw them on before <laughs> before the fights start for the prelims. Seriously, just talking about it, I'm probably gonna rewatch the whole series. Let's um, go. <laughs> so, without further ado, um, don't have too much time left that we're gonna you know gonna take over of your Saturday morning here. But I gotta point out here that Nano won the last round of Bet versus Bet. He absolutely oh. crushed it. Look at this stud right here holding the trophy. <laughs> Practically printing money over here, guys. Um, wow. 
I mean, Fantastic. come on. Let me know if I, I need mean, to bring the stash back, ladies and gents. I don't know. This guy looks sharp. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty safe bet to say you should definitely bring the stash back. Are you kidding me? Oh, um, man. I love I'm it. about it. I'm so, about Nano, it. great job with the win. You keep Thank that you, trophy brother. safe for when I come for it this week. And without further ado, we'll go ahead and jump into Nano's Picks. Let's go. My favorite what time of the here, week, Nano? baby. Favorite time of the week. Hey, you know, the live jive turkey. Although turkeys don't lay eggs, I'm putting all my eggs in this basket, okay? The live jive turkey, I'm laying nothing but W's. This basket is full of dubs, okay? I, I, I went big. Go big or go home, right? It's it's UFC 292. We in Boston. I'm feeling lucky. I'm feeling some of that O'Malley luck, some of that Ian Gary luck here. And uh, you're going to see some some of that themes all throughout. First and foremost, put my money on my boy, Marlon Chito Vera. Money line. Uh, you know, not the best odds. That's why I ended up parlaying it. He's obviously favored by t- minus 205 here. I think that is a really safe bet. I think uh, Marlon's durable. I think no matter where it goes, Pedro's just not going to have an answer for Marlon's violence and his patience and his willingness to just to go out there and bang with you. So give me Marlon Chidovera all day, every day. Uh, Ian Gary, minus 520. The odds are not great here. I was going to try to chase maybe a TKO or a submission, but... You know, Ian, Ian, he has some holes in his game. He's not perfect. Neil Magny is a dog, okay? And after what Olin said, I'm probably even more thankful because this might break my card, unfortunately. My safest pick, what I thought, might end up breaking my damn card here. So we're going to be all right, okay? I'm going to cradle this egg basket nice and carefully, nice and gently. And so Ian Gary is going to take it home. He's going to beat up Neil Magny. He's going to carry this momentum. He's going to tell him, shut your fucking mouth. He's going to bend him over the knees and spank his bottom. And he's going to keep him moving. And he's going to go make sweet love to his very sweet looking wife here. I don't care how old she is. Good job, Ian. Next, Zhang Weili, Moneyline, minus 310. This is probably the safest bet on the card by far, ladies and gents. Zhang Weili is dominant. She's in her prime. I do think Amanda Lemos is tough. But she's just going to be another notch in Zhang Weili's belt here. She's going straight Thanos status. I don't think anyone can stop her unless they pull Thug Rose out of retirement. She's going to go on a dominant run here, y'all. So get used to seeing Zhang Weili. Uh, let me hear you, Boston. Come Saturday night. Come tonight in a few hours. Next here. This one was tough. Uh, my thinking in taking the over three and a half rounds in Aljamain versus Sean O'Malley one, it had the best odds, but two, I just I feel that no one's gonna get taken out quickly. I mean, if Aljamain wins, it's gonna be because he was able to accumulate enough damage over the first three, four, five rounds. Maybe in that fifth round is where maybe the 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 wrestling dominance, maybe if you know Aljamain is really beating up Sean, maybe eventually he gets to a, a TKO or some ground and pound at the very end here. I, but it, with that being said, I just, I don't see a scenario that Aljamain gets knocked out quick. I don't see a scenario that he just bulldozes through Sean O'Malley. I'm going to root for my boy. And I think he's going to go down swing and he's going to earn his stripes in there. He's going to finally get to these championship rounds and he's going to show out. Um, I just, I'm leaning over three and a half here because it's really good odds. And then last, but certainly not least my boy, Chris Weidman, Oh, man, we love a comeback story. All-American is back, and he's going to do it in exciting fashion. Brad Tavares is a tough opponent, but he is very beatable. He's a 50-50 fighter at best. 
And I think my boy Chris Weidman, I don't care. Don't look at the age. Don't watch the the YouTube videos. All jokes aside, Chris Weidman's in good spirits. And you can see me there. I'm also in good spirits. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm hanging by a thread here. And that's how I feel with this <laughs> five-pick parlay. One unit to get me 15.5, baby. Hey, live jive turkey out. Solid, solid picks as as usual. I feel like uh, going with all the eggs in one basket here. Not a, not a bad play, though. Pretty solid parlay. Love to see you just sliding that in, uh, as you can see there on the side. And jumping into the next one here, we got my picks. Looky, looky. All aboard the rocket ships. Uh, we, got, we got two for you. We got Neil Magny to win by submission or decision. Plus 425. Um, I mean, that's that's a simple enough bet, folks. If he gets it done, I think he gets it done by way of submission or decision. I don't think he's going to knock out Ian Gary. Uh, but you know what? If he does, that would be the happiest I'd ever been to take a loss. So moving into the next one, we got a two-pick parlay for you. Again, hate to do it to him, but I had to do it to him. Betting against my girl, the hometown hero, Andrea KGB Lee. And we put Natalia Silva on the card at minus 355. Had to go with a favorite. And, um, you know, Vegas gets some things right. But they can't be right all the time, just like it can't rain all the time, folks. They got it wrong on this next one. Austin Hubbard being the favorite against Kurt Hollabach. Young and woo, woo, Hollabach. He's about to get it done, and we're all going to be Hollabach. Um, he's going to put the hurt on his opponent, Austin Hubbard. And he's going to send him back to Miss 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 Hubbard uh, with her porridge and pie, or however the nursery rhyme goes. Either way, I think Kurt the Hurt Hollabach gets it done. Um, I also have a crazy little parlay. You can look for that one on Twitter. Don't want to lead you guys into the weeds too much with it. But, uh, you know, like 65 cents to win 250K. Who knows? Maybe it'll hit. Probably not. But we'll see. If it does, we'll all be crazily excited. And um, that's the picks. Short, sweet. To the point, all aboard the rocket ship, folks. We are ready to play. We are ready to parlay. We have liftoff. That is phenomenal, brother. I love it. All about now. All about now. They need, and, um, he needs, a, I guess, some merch. I wear dude, that shirt. That should, that's now. literally all about now. All about. Um, so since I, I love to, you know, just throw on the, uh, the fun facts when it comes to Ian Gary, we have a couple more for you. Oh man, love you. Let's let's have him. Ian Gary's wife was already an adult when Jens Pulver and Randy Couture were UFC champions. 9-11 hadn't yet happened. Shrek <laughs> was debuting in cinemas. Uh, because I got high by Afro Man was debuting. LeBron James was a high school sophomore. Muhammad Mikhayev was age one, and Ian himself <laughs> was age three. Oh Lord, have mercy. Did she date um, Neymar or? Yes. Okay. Oof. Tough competition. Yeah, tough crowd, tough crowd, tough crowd. No, all jokes aside, like, dude probably shouldn't call somebody old and washed um, if he doesn't want an argument at home. Probably not the smartest move. Yeah. Um, I do think that his fight is going to be not one-sided at all. I think it's going to be a very back-and-forth bout, uh, and I'm excited for it. As always, you got something I can tell. I was no, I was just gonna I was just gonna kinda end it with yeah, hey, like that's gonna be a fun one. There's gonna be a lot of fireworks on this card. Wouldn't be surprised if it sets the record for most finishes. Um I think it's seven. That's is that the magic number? I think I think seven or eight. 
Um, either way, let's see how many fights do we have on this card. We got three on the early prelims. We got four on the prelims and then five on the main. So what is that? 12? Yeah, 12. Um, yeah, no. I like my odds. I, I like, like your my odds. odds. Uh, so I, you know what? You think it's going to be eight finishes or nine? Oof. Let me look back through real quick. So I think Karene Silva versus Marina Moroz is going to be a finish. I think Andrea mm-hmm. Lee versus Natalia Silva is going to be a finish. Um, Andre Petrovsky versus Gerald Mearstrong. That can also be a finish. If you Maybe. look at their finish ratios, uh, I think there's like 15% of their fights that haven't been finishes. So pretty mm-hmm. high likelihood. Katana Gibson, high likelihood for a finish. Halaba Hubbard, high likelihood for a finish. That's probably for sure going to be a yeah, finish. Rodriguez versus Tayulin, probably a lock for a finish if there is one. Yeah. Um, the only one I can see being grindy and decision-y is going to be Brad Tavares versus Weidman. Yep. Um, and then I maybe Munoz see, and Vera, too. I was going to say, if Munoz wins, I could see him grinding a decision. Mm-hmm. But, but, but I mean, Batista, Blackshear, someone can get no grappled. Chance. Yeah, I don't think that sniffs a finish. No chance. Someone, then, some, like, even if it's a grappling match, someone gets finished in the two in two rounds. Yeah, and then Neil Magny and Gary, you know, they're already going out there treating it like they're on the streets, man. They're about to be finding a phone booth, probably, so... That's going to be fun fireworks. And then Whaley can get it done. And let's be honest, I mean, Aljo probably get it done too. I mean, probably get it done too. Yeah. Hey, but needless to say, going to be a fun card. Make sure y'all tune in. Curious to hear Do your thoughts. Do we hear 10 out of 12 finishes? Of I'll go eight. I'll go eight. I'm going to go nine. I'm going to go nine. Ooh. We'll okay. put a shot on it. We'll Whoever's put a shot closer. On it. Yep. Let's we'll be go. chatting. Um, we'll be chatting throughout the card. We'll be having a good time, guys. Absolutely. As always, whether you're new here or returning, uh, either way, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, smash that bell for notifications. We love you all. We thank you all. And again, doesn't matter who you are. As long as you identify as a fight fan, we are happy to have you here. And if you don't yet identify as a fight fan, please, please come with us. We Join. will show you the way. We, we will show you the way. Welcome you with open arms. Um, show you we way. always welcome you with open arms. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to see you for the next live episode, which will be Monday. Um, I will try and work with the co-host here. Maybe we'll be able to pin down something for Wednesday since I'm leaving the country on Thursday. Obviously, no episode then uh, and no episodes the following week because, again, I won't be in the country. Um, don't we'll know, don't really know how the reception's going to be at the hotel in Rome. So at three in the morning while we're all on regular timing, <laughs> waking up, uh, waking up the lady and her mom like, sorry, guys, I got to record and talk about these fights. The show must go on. <laughs> um, we appreciate so yeah, the commitment, always, but no, enjoy the vacations, my brother. Absolutely, thank man. Thank you. Thank you. As always, guys, uh, make sure you follow at MMA Anomaly on all platforms and also at Jive Turkey Nano. I think it's at Jive Turkey Talk on Twitter right now, and you. he will actually be having his podcast take lift off soon enough. That's it is right. going to be focusing on fantasy football. We're going to be doing our draft soon enough as well. Got the hat That's ready right. to go. That's um, right. We will see then. an MMA anomaly crossover. So tune in. Uh, if y'all like fantasy football, come join. You know, open to you know, uh, starting the community and getting it out there, seeing what everyone's thinking, how we're feeling. My my approach, you know, my two cents. Again, just a guy with a microphone here, like y'all. But uh, excited as all hell. And hey, look forward to seeing you. Well, we'll be chatting today, but look forward to seeing y'all again Monday to chat about these fights. Let's go. Let's go. And And, uh, please let us know in the comment section who you're most excited to see fight tonight. Who are your bets on? And uh, if you end up hitting on any of those bets, please post them on Twitter and tag me and at Jive Turkey Talk. 
We'd yes. love to hear them. We'd love to see them. We'd love to celebrate you guys' wins. It doesn't have to just be us that win, right? Like, we love it when our fans win. So let's go. Let's keep the love going together. And let's keep the passion for mixed martial arts alive, folks. Until next time.